Yeah, we are back. Good morning again, New Life Church. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we rejoice, and uh, we are glad in it. Uh, mainly because last week you saw how the connection was, and we are happy and glad to, at least for this uh, online service, to be back. Can I say our studio? <laughs> Yeah, but to be back in this format, uh, we praise God for what he has done for us. So this morning, uh, we will be continuing our mini-series that we have started last week. And uh, today, as I said, we will just continue that mini-series on elder-led congregationalism, which is a type of government that the elders of New Life Church are proposing to the church. And uh, last week, we started presenting then the biblical warrant for this type of government by seeing from the scriptures what is the church, what the scripture, what the Bible says about the church. So, and we saw that from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13 to chapter, uh, ver- chapter 13 from chapter 16 from verses 13 to verse 20. And we had established in that message and we saw that the Bible, the original word for church in the Bible is ecclesia, ecclesia, uh, which means called out and in a few words assembly. And we saw that Jesus in that passage that we read, he's saying that he is building his church. He is building his assembly. He is building a new community. He is community. So we define church then as the community of all believers in Christ of all time. Everyone that profess faith in Christ Jesus, as Peter said, you are the Christ. So everyone that professes faith uh, in Christ, they are part of this assembly, this new community that we call church. And we saw also that the church is invisible and universal. The church that Jesus Christ is building is invisible and universal. This is the church as God sees it. But this invisible and universal church have and must have a visible and local expression. What we said then, it is the local church or the church as people sees it. And today, we would like to finish this first topic about the church by answering one question. If Jesus is building his church, as we saw in Matthew 16, 18, if he is doing that, how he, he, is he doing this? How is Jesus building his church? How is Christ building this church? And as we answer this question and we move on in this mini-series, It is the desires of the elders of New Life Church that this message under this topic of elder-led congregationalism is that for New Life to grow in her personal character, 
in her public ministry in her knowledge of God as revealed in scriptures. So I hope that your heart is open. And as we move on in this mini series, please engage with us, ask questions, come to us. It's a, a, a good moment, as I say, and as I introduced this topic last, last uh, Friday, that we as a church come together at this time. So let's read the passage for today which is Matthew 16, 18. We'll just be reminded of that. And then we will read also Acts uh, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. So let's go to Matthew 16, verse 18. Or oh, from verse 16, sorry. From verse 16, 17 and 18. That says the word of God. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So now let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And we will read from verse 42 to verse 47. Acts 2, from verses 42 to 47. That says the word of God. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and the breaking, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad, with glad and generous heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help at this time. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for this time that uh, we have to receive your word and also to meditate in your word. We are not saying anything that is new uh, for many of our brothers and sisters this morning, Lord. But as Psalms 11:3 says, O oh Lord, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Yes, Lord, we are going back to the foundations for us to understand what is this thing that we call church? What are we as New Life Church? What is this community of believers that come committed in a covenant, Lord, with one another to obey you? 
Lord, as we do so, Father, we pray that our hearts will be open and available to you, to obey you. Father, every knowledge that stands against the knowledge of Christ, that resists your teaching this morning, Lord, we refuse that in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our hearts, will be enlightened, will be open in order for us to see your glory in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray all this, knowing that you are able to do exceedingly above anything that we can ask or think, according to your power that is at work within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So how is Jesus building his church? Matthew 16, 18, very clear, Jesus said, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. My church. Jesus is building his church. So the question is, how is Christ building his church? Well, first of all, it is a question in which the wrong answer would be, so Jesus is doing in the way I think he is doing. Jesus is building his church in the way I or you like that he is building his church. And the right answer for this question would be, all right, let's stop uh, uh, for some time. And let's see the manual that he has given us. He has delivered to us for us to see how we are or how he is building building his church. I don't know if children or youth or even the older ones, we know what a manual is, do we? Do we know what the manual is and what is it for? I'm sure everyone in Abu Dhabi has IKEA furniture in their house. Don't you? Yeah, I believe so, really. Everyone has some IKEA stuff in, 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 at his house. Well, I have one. I have one. And matter of fact, days back, we had to buy another bedside table that we needed. So when we think about that, when we think about the IKEA uh, 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 furniture, when I opened uh, the box that I brought home, I saw something on the top and say, for you to assemble this bed side table, you need to follow these steps. But just suppose that I am a very clever uh, man and I think, okay, maybe I can figure out this without needing the manual. Or maybe I can think another brand from home center or another uh, 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 shop that sells furniture and try to assemble that and try to assemble that bed table in the way I think or in the way I thought. I believe you can answer for you or for yourself this question: What will happen? Or just imagine that a kid come to you like Sariel is here, he's uh, good in cars, and say, look, I like water, I like juice. Why we don't put, instead of gasoline in the car, we put juice in the car? 
or water in the car. If when I'm, I'm thirsty, I drink water, why don't the car drink water? What will happen? The answer will be the car were made to function with petrol, with gasoline. So what I'm trying to say is that we don't find the answer of how Jesus is building his church in ourselves. The answer comes from him and from the manual he has given us for us to do so. And this manual is the Bible, of course. When well interpreted, we will know how Jesus is building his church. So today we will see five ways Jesus is building his church. And that is from the second scripture reading of this morning in the book of Acts, chapter 2, from verses 42 to 47. It will be there where we will see these five ways that Jesus is building his church. So the first point, and that's the first way Jesus is building his church. Jesus is doing that by the growth of the community. In other words, he's adding people to the church. That's one way that Jesus Christ is building his people. How does he does that? The Bible says that he died and rose again for those who put their faith in him will be brought to him, but not to him alone. We are going to be brought as we come to Jesus to this community of new people that he is building. So we are brought to one another. And this is where the Bible gives us several pictures of the church. The matter of fact, when we go to the gospel, only three times the word church is mentioned in the gospels. So from act onwards is where we start seeing in the Bible the revelation or the understanding of what the church is. And there are several pictures that the Bible gives about the church. The Bible sees or pictures the church as a building, as a family, as a flock. And one of the common pictures that, that the Bible gives of the church is a picture of a body, a human body. Jesus has called us as individuals. He has saved us as individuals. But when we come to him, we come also into relationship with one another. So if it is true that we have a personal relationship and walk with God, but our faith, it is never private. It is always in accountability and relationship with other believers in Christ, in a covenant relationship. When we see the word of God in the, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, the word says the following. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through 
Jesus Christ. So once again, church, when we are called into our relationship to our Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to be part of this community. So this is the first way Jesus is building his church, by saving people. He is saving more people and add into his community, into his family, into this building that he is building for a spiritual house. And matter of fact, the Bible says and confirms that everyone for whom Jesus has died and rose again and ascended into heaven, everyone that Jesus died for, they will be saved. So this gives us a responsibility as a church, as this family, to go out and proclaim this word that Jesus is saving people. And as people come to this church, to this community, to this new family, they need to commit themselves to one another. And again, this commitment is what we call membership. Membership is nothing else. And this is not a campaign, yeah? This is not like empty words that we are just saying. Because myself, back home, I didn't understand membership in the church the way I do right now. Maybe the name made me some confusion, okay? But while here, I was able to understand that what the Bible, what people back home called membership, in fact is the commitment that we uh, do with one another between believers to obey Christ together. And as we saw last week, I cannot commit myself to every church. One brother gave me uh, uh, an example. If you take a plant, and today you plant uh, that plant in, in the soil, tomorrow you bring it up and put in another soil, that plant will not grow. The plant needs to be committed to one soil where it is watered for that plant to gain strength and to grow. I cannot today be here, tomorrow be here, tomorrow or another day in another place. I will not grow. So the commitment I made in this case in Abu Dhabi to New Life Church is what we call church membership. And it is important for us to understand that. Even if you are listening to me, you are in Abu Dhabi. I'm not saying that you just need to come to New Life Church. There are other faithful churches in this country, in this emirate. What I'm telling is that as a believer, we cannot walk without a church. Being a believer and belong to the church is Two sides of the same coins. We cannot separate that. If you are a believer and you are listening to me, find a faithful church where you can commit yourself and grow in your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, this whenever we are talking about membership, it is the covenant commitment 
when believers commit to one another to walk together and to obey Christ's commandment together. And I said in the beginning, as we come, as we are saved in Christ Jesus, we come into relationship with one another. So we see here the context of Ant is after the Pentecost. And if you go one verse before verse uh, 42, meaning verse 41, you will see that in the book of Acts that there were a baptism of almost 3,000 souls. The Feast of Pentecost, where Jews from every corner of the world, they will come and assemble in Jerusalem, and they will celebrate that feast together. It was when Peter did this uh, call and people received God's word and they were baptized. But the picture here that I, we want to, uh, the thing that we want to highlight is that there were people from many cultures, background, people that were different. So what I'm trying to say is that as we come to church, one of the things that the growth or the addition that Jesus is making to his church is a multicultural addiction. addition. He's adding people from every tribe, every tongue, every ethnicity. And this multicultural thing, in part, is only ethnic. But here, we also see that there is a step or something else that is happening. God is not only bringing Jew and Gentiles together, but he's also bringing slaves and, on, uh, and owners of the slaves together. He is bringing people from different generations Older men and younger men together, rich and poor together. This is how the church shines when in Christ we are united with people that are different from us. And this is the beauty of the church. The point that Christ or how Christ is building his church by saving people from every tongue, every nation, every race, every social background. And this is where the beauty of the church is. The church that Jesus is building will always have some kind of diversity depending on the context where she is, uh, where she has her local expression. And this is, as I said, the beauty of the church, the way God brings us together in Jesus Christ, in the way that nothing else in this world can do. That's what makes the church shine. We shine because of the gospel. We shine because we are united, not in anything else, but in Christ. Brothers and sisters, I know that when we come in this contest in this country, in our workplaces, we find people from every time, people of every nation. But can you really say that you are one with those people? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there is no true friendships that can start in, in that context. There is. 
But the unity that we are talking here, as we will see, is a bigger one. People that you can really relate and open your soul with. And guess what? If you are, if you are friend with this person that is only uh, in the context of your work situation, know that one day you will break, you will be separated. But with all believers, we are united, not only in this world, but even in the worlds to come. So you say, then, Brother Pedro, what is this, the advantage of this commitment? Why do I need to commit myself in a covenant with brothers and sisters? First of all, because I said you cannot do with every believer in the world right now. As we speak, there are people that are believers in other countries. But if they are sick, you cannot help them. But if Brother Pedro is sick, you can help me. Come, pray with me. And Sister Daisy also will help us make the food tray. And then we can help each other. This is the commitment we are saying we are talking about here. So another thing is that this community help us with our theology or with our knowledge in the Bible understanding. Do you know, you cannot really walk alone as you read the Bible. You cannot think that every time that you see something in the Bible, you understand by yourself. So community will help you, let me say, clarify and understand what you are reading from the Bible as you share your learnings from the Bible. A brother can come to you and say, my brother, maybe here you are not seeing that very well. What I'm saying is that community will help you know Christ in a way that you cannot imagine. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens one another or another in Proverbs 27, verse 17. So being in covenant community also, it will help us know that you are really a true believer. Because the Bible says by his fruit, Jesus, or we will know them. So when in the covenant relationship, people can observe if you are really a believer or not, by your fruits. But if people, they don't know you perfectly, how they can affirm that you are a true believer? A community also, as a family, will, will help you, will help us stay away from sin. Will help us uh, or keep away from sinning. How? If anyone knows you and sees you doing something wrong, for example, you are not treating uh, your, your wife, your spouse correctly, there is a place where you can ask the church, a brother and sister that you know, that comes with the word of advice. Instead of us giving in to sin, there is a way with that brother, with that sister, to avoid sinning in our lives. Fourth, being in covenant community 
helps us grow spiritually. As I said before, iron sharpens iron. All right? So we need to grow together as we come uh, together as one in the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus came to save us as individual sinners. But chiefly, he has saved us as individual sinners and bring us together so that we will be at this new community, the community of God's people. So secondly, how is Jesus, in which way Jesus is building his church? First, by adding or by the growth of the community, by adding into the church. Second, we see that in verse 42, by the teaching of the apostles in the community. See the beginning of verse 42. And they devoted themselves to what first? To the apostles' teachings. Brother, the word devoted there, you could translate it as addicted. Is an inner desire that compels someone to do something. They were not tired of listening to the apostle teachings. Why? Why is this? Because Jesus said in John 17, as he prays for his disciples, he said, Father, sanctify them in your word. Brothers and sisters, God's word sanctifies us. God's word transforms us. The power of our transformation and growth is not in us. But it is in God's word as we submit ourselves to it. What I'm saying that you don't have the power to grow in your Christian life apart from God's word. You cannot become, let me say, a better believer, a better Christian without God's word. It is not what you do. It is what God do in your life in and through his word as it is illuminated by the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, who you are becoming as a believer depends on the quality and also in the quantity of the word you are allowing God to feed you with. Please, do not assume that you can live a strong and mature Christian life on the basis of 40 minutes uh, message on Fridays. And many people will say the idea will be less, 20 minutes only, and then Friday, one day per week. Please, don't assume that you can like, become a strong and mature believer if you are used to that. You need to challenge yourself to see the benefits of God's word in your life in his, in his word. Brothers and sisters, we, we as a New Life Church, we, and this is something that is mark of our church. We are trying as much as we can to put the platforms out there for people to really come and learn God's word. 
I'm not saying that you must do it only when we are together. There is that time that you do that alone. But as we see, as we saw in the beginning, how do we know when you are alone studying God's word that you are right in the conclusions that you have uh, from the scripture or the reading that you did? So when we come together as a church, we have that time to check how are we learning God's word. And as a church, as I say, we are putting platform out there like the Fridays, school in the morning, or even the services on Thursday, where God's word can be preached and taught. But if you count how many hours in a week we as a church have this kind of programs or activity, we will come roughly to five hours a week. All right? We have one-hour prayer where the world also sometimes is involved during the week, one hour on Thursday. And roughly, if you are part of Friday school, three hours on Fridays. And that's it as a program, as an as established program as a church that we have. But how many hours has a week? Quick calculation. How many hours a week? Brother Ray, 24 times 7. It is... One uh, something, one, uh, 168, 168 hours. And in these 168 hours per week, we have only five hours where as a church we are together. It's roughly maybe 2% or something of that number. Yeah? 2 3% of that number. Now, just think about a church as a family. You have in a week 168 hours, let me say in a relationship between husband and wife, and you just spend five hours together. Will this relationship really grow? If you talk to your spouse only five hours, husband, tell me, if you talk to your wife only five hours a week, will it be enough? She will give you that smile looking and say, please talk to me. Talk to me. This is what I'm saying. God's word needs to be part of our lives as a church. Yes, go deeper. Build relationship. Men call out other men. Create some groups where you can read the, a, a, a book and discuss God's words. Ladies, come together. Let's have mixed group. And let's study God's word. For you to have an example, Acts, is Paul, Acts 90 is Paul being in the city of Ephesus when he planted the church. In chapter 8, 19, the Bible says that daily Paul taught in Tyrannos Hall the word of God. And he did that for two years. Two years in a row, Paul taught God's word daily. How is your relationship with God's word? Truly speaking, as Pastor challenged us yesterday, answer this question in your, like, being. 
do you really eager to learn God's word, to know God's word? Do you, in your free time, do you look to understand what is in God's word? They were addicted, devoted. They were an eagerness to the apostle teaching. But not only. They were also devoted to the fellowship of the believers. That's what we see there. And this is my third point. How is Christ uh, building his church? By the fellowship of the believers in community. The word fellowship there is the word koinonia in the original. And that word can be translated as well as partnership, intimacy, the sharing together. And we saw in our reading that they were selling their possession, their belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any needed. They were sharing their things. So they were a caring community. But how do I care for you if I don't know what is going on in your life? Maybe because you don't trust me enough to let me know what is going on in your life. But the Bible here is very clear. It's saying that the fellowship, the intimacy, the partnership among these believers in this community was strong enough. They were living together. Brothers and sisters, the gospel makes people to want to share their lives. Believers in Christ, we must share our lives. Our faith can be private or in the, uh, personal, sorry, but never private. When the Bible calls us to love one another and to care for one another, that's what we need to do. Not because I am saying, but because the God that you believe, the Jesus that you believe, is commanding you, not suggesting you, but commanding you to do so. I was talking to Justin one of like two weeks ago. And one of the things in that conversation that I told him is, just suppose that you are a fish. If I come to you and say, please, fish, swim, is it something unnatural that I am saying to him? No. All of us as a believers receiving these commandments are like fish that needs to swim. It's nothing unnatural for us. As a believer, these are the things that we must do. Please, allow this to come to our hearts and minds. Think about this. We need to live in fellowship with one another. Are we as a New Life Church intentionally building meaningful and lasting relationships with one another? Are we doing that? Seriously, are we doing that? Are you open to that? The question is, how do I do that in this community? 
in, I believe, first of, uh, of April, one of the things that I say to church, one way that you have to do that, at least know the names of the people that are worshiping with you. You know, uh, we have as uh, believers a, an excuse. You know why? Because everyone is our brother, everyone is our sister. Then if you don't know the name, oh, brother, how are you? Oh, sister, how are you? And normally we will say, yeah, we will respond back. But you know, when you, you call someone by name, you are being intentional. I remember Brother Bud when I joined uh, New Life Church. I always tell this story because he taught me that Bud would come with the block of not a small one and ask, what is your name? And then he will note it down in that block. And he will say, this is for me not to forget your name next time that I see you. That's one way that you have to build relationship. I know that we are in the COVID uh, uh, pandemic and there are restrictions. But still, we can be hospitable in this time. Invite people. If possible, just say, don't hug me. Put alcohol gel in the door. Let them uh, scrub their hands as they come. But invite people. Not, do not invite 10 because you will go against the law. But you can invite one people, one brother in the church that you have for you to intentionally build relationship. Encourage your child to bring a friend for a lunch. And take opportunity to impart spiritual things to his friend. And please, do not wait someone to invite you. Take the initiative and do that yourself. And don't give up after the first answer or the second or the third. Look, I cannot make it today. I have something to do. I have another plan. We need to insist. We need to keep doing that. If it is for the Lord that we do what we are doing. At this time, I remembered about the Don's family and the Sterlis family. You know, because they came together in a covenant relationship with the church, with New Life Church. They introduced their child to one another. And today, Hayden and Nadine, they are married in the Lord. And they have a child and godly grandparents, not perfect, but godly grandparents. What I'm trying to say, when we come together as a faith family, your family become my family in the Lord. You understand that your family is a part of a bigger family. And as I, I learned from Pastor Sinclair Ferguson, he says that this family will last forever. We last forever. And who knows in that relationships we have more marriage coming in. I still wait for the time we will celebrate a marriage here in UAE for a couple. Vitorina may be just thinking, oh, I think this can marry this. <laughs> yeah, but anyhow, in that relationship, that's where we bring all this in account. No wonder God says to Israel, don't marry out of the covenant people. I'm not saying that it's only New Life Church in this case, 
but don't marry unbelievers. What, but what if that person is in our midst? Fourth, fourth way that Jesus Christ is uh, building his church. The Bible all there says to the, breaking, or to the breaking of the bread. So they were devoted also to the breaking of the bread. This goes with uh, point number three. But it brings up also the Lord's Supper. They were breaking bread together. They were not doing that in their own. They were doing that together. Lord's Supper those days were always ministered at the end of a meal. And I, I remember one of my professors, he was saying, I believe as a church we need to come back to this point. Uh, but this is not a, 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 a pres prescribed action. He just brought that thought. But what I'm trying to say is that the Lord's Supper is not something that you do on your own. You do with your fellow's brother and sisters with whom you have that covenant relationship with. Fifth, the way, the way Christ is building his church, the Bible there says that they were devoted also to prayers. This talks about worship, the gathering. You know, at that time, they, they had the place in the temple where they would go uh, for these 3,000 people to meet. And when they do that, they would come together and worship God together and pray together. This speaks about worshiping when we are together as a church. Brothers and sisters, last week we dealt lengthily with this, that church is not only being together in one place, but we cannot say that it is less than that. So when we have these gatherings and worshiping together, it's not just because we think or we want to put you more load for you to become more busy in your agenda. No. Why do we insist that we need to come together? Because the master, the builder of the church, is saying that it is in this way he is building us up. This is not someone's idea. This is God's idea. Remember, if your kid come and say, let's put juice in the car, will you do that? No. So don't bring our ideas into what God has established for us as a church to be. Gathering is important. There is restriction? Yes, there is. But we need to look ways for us to gather. And in that gathering, one of the things that is highlighted here is prayer. Is prayer. Uh, can we really say that we are a prayerful church? Can we really say? You will say, okay, I'm praying alone huh, in my house. Yeah, but this is not what I'm asking. As a family, as a church, can we say that we are a devoted people, a devoted church to prayer. 
we have the prayer meetings uh, that we are held, uh, that we are holding through Zoom now that we cannot meet physically. Are you part of that? Seriously, are you part of that? Yeah, there is a break for those that are working long hours. Yes, I understand that. But can you not commit one hour in your week to join your brothers and sisters? We have, well, I don't know if the Sunday's group is still there, but we have other groups during the week that you can join and pray. Why do we do that? Because the master is saying that I will build my church through your prayers. Brothers and sisters, we never exist as isolated Christians. We have been brought into the fellowship of Jesus Christ for us to belong to one another. Those are words of Sinclair Ferguson. While much has changed in our world, Jesus' teaching that the world will know us, that we, we are his disciples, only if we are together in that love, commitment to one another. This love and this commitment is shaped and take shape in the context of the local church as we live our lives together. As we wait, not just for the end of this pandemic, but as we wait for the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great God and our Savior, our church covenant helps us to glorify Christ together. Everything that we are saying here, even if you take a look to the actual covenant of the church, you will not say that is something that is coming from our idea. Do your study. You are fish, and we are asking you to swim. Only that. As we continue to help each other live a godly life in the present age and work and pray for the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace while this pandemic is here, let us not stop to display uh, God's manifold wisdom to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms and to the world that is watching us. It is when the church is different because of everything that I just mentioned to you. It is how Jesus is building his church. It is when God will start stirring up other people's heart as they see us, putting them the desire for them to belong to his church. Now the question is, is New Life Church in Abu Dhabi reflecting the church that Jesus is building? Pray with me. Father, we praise you and we bless your name for your faithfulness and for your love and for your tender mercies towards us. Indeed, you are building your church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Father, thank you for your power that is at work within us, the power that is able to give life to those that are spiritually dead, O oh Lord. 
to transform our lives in and through your word, Father. Thank you for your power, O oh Lord, that is at work opening our eyes for us to be aware and for us to take hold of the salvation that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for New Life Church and for the church in UAE and for the church in the world. Make us understand that everything that we have just mentioned, it's not man's idea, it comes from you. But who are we, Lord, to transform and to uh, put that desire in people's heart? You said in your word that God will give the desires of our heart. They forgive us, put that desires in our heart for us to want to live up whatever you have taught us this morning. May New Life Church be a church marked, O oh Lord, by the gospel. A church that is committed, Lord, to proclaim the gospel to everyone as you add people, Lord, through that proclamation. May New Life Church, O oh Lord, be a church that is committed, O oh Lord, in living in community, in a fellowship, Lord, in, with one another, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we as a church be a church that loves your word, be a church that loves to be together in worship and as we pray for one another. Father, may New Life Church be a reflection of whatever you have commanded the church to be. Make us that church for your name's sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 